And welcome to Gold and Great. I'm Josh. I'm Selena. And Selena, welcome to your first pod. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Uh, you know, fun fact, Selena is also a DJ. You want to tell everyone what your DJ name is? It's Selene Beanie. Selene Go follow Beanie. me. Follow sub. Um, <laughs> what are we talking about? Golden Great. Welcome <laughs> to our first chat show. Uh, you know, for this new format, every month you're going to be hearing from a group of Collab staff and community members to talk about the issues, current events, all of what we're wrestling and grappling with right now. And of course, because it's Collab, how media representation affects it all. This month, we're joined by the producers of Golden Great. It's been a long year and a half, but it's always a good time to reflect over some food. Adrian, what did we eat today? Tteokbokki. And what else? Uh, dumplings. That's right. It's to help us better process our grief as a more united APTA community. It's better process it when you're together. Thanks, Adrian. Let's go to that conversation. <laughs> all right, everyone. We've got all the golden great producers in the room. It's quite a show. We've got dumplings. We've got tteokbokki. We've got lots of soundproof, all of the things. Um, just want to make sure you can tell all of our voices before we start this conversation. Uh, I'm Josh Coe, the executive director of Collab SF and the producer of Golden Great. Who else we got in the room? Hi, my name is Long Vo. I am the writer for the blog and I am one of the producers as well. And I've been around since season one. Hello, my name is Selena Wing, and I am a media editor with SF Collab. My name is Adrian. I'm your interview producer. I've done a lot of things for Collab over the years, but uh, this time I'm uh, producing season three of Golden Great. Yeah, again, so nice to have Adrian's voice like on the pod after all the great behind the scenes <laughs> work he's been doing. And now to have Selena hop in. Yeah. Selena just yeah. led uh, an artist Q&A last month and we're great to, it's awesome to have her here as well. Um, can we mention one more person? She's not on the mic. We've got a, We've also got a secret fifth person hiding. If you just look in the corner of the room as you're <laughs> listening, you can probably see her. We've got Sophia, you joined us. She's yeah. one of the editors. Sophia, just yell out something just to see if it picks up. Okay. Hi, I'm Sophia. Guess not. I'm that's... so glad I edit this podcast. It's really fun. Perfect. That's, that's all you get. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, first I have to ask, uh, I, I think the the theme of this episode really came from reading through um, Crying in H Mart. It's the new memoir by Michelle Zahner. She's, she's the one who makes up Japanese breakfast. And uh, she released this really heartbreaking memoir about uh, her coming to grips with her mother's struggle with cancer, um, her trying to understand and unpack her identity as a mixed race uh, Korean American. There's just a lot of stuff there that really moved me and a lot of the people that I know and wanted to just come in here and have a conversation on how the ways that our own personal grief is affecting the way that we are still responding to all of it, right? From this year, still in the midst of a pandemic still in whatever this this thing of uh, violence against our community. There's just, there's a lot to unpack. And so I just, 
I didn't want to quite start there. Um, there is a new H Mart that opened a couple months ago. Yes, it's not a great transition, yeah. but have any of y'all been able to make it out there? Yes, it's crazy packed. You got to go. The best time that I've found to go is after seven o'clock on a weekday. That's when most of the busy people are are out and done their grocery shopping and are home eating dinner. Um, weekends are grab bag. I don't know. I've been to the H Mart recently and it's funny because I've been going to the one in San Jose. So it's nice to finally have one that's really close to home. <laughs> I have not gone. I, I should have taken Adrian's advice. I <laughs> definitely had to like seagull myself in the food court. And I was definitely just hovering yeah. over yeah. any table who looked like they were like 25% done with their meal. Just waiting to wait to snatch. <laughs> um, I, I think as I've been reading the book, but also just trying to find the things that are bringing a little bit of comfort, joy, peace right now. I think food, and I guess for me, it's been been snacks. Picked up a bag of Indomie chips before, mm. which I've never had, which were bomb. Um, I always love a good bag of like Hawaiian popcorns. So like, what are what are the foods? that in general have been bringing you comfort right now? If it's like big elaborate meals, maybe ones that you make yourselves, maybe it snacks like me, like what has been kind of holding you down on the the food end for you? I just cooked y'all dumplings and this dumpling place that just opened in my neighborhood and they opened two months before the pandemic hit and they pivoted. We all don't like that word anymore because we hear too much, but they pivoted from soups to frozen dumplings. And Ooh. so they pre-packaged them ahead of time. There's 12 choices. They're $10 for 18 pieces. That's the steal. Wow. And, that's good. And so that's what y'all just ate. And so I think um, I like cooking for people. Because I work in fitness, I just drink a milkshake or a Red Bull or something. But when I have people over, I go out. So I made that. What's that stuff I made? I don't even know. I'm not Korean, but I always just look at something. I know what. You the taboki? Yes, I made that. Oh, the rice cakes. Yes. With a little Viet twist. I ended up seasoning it to make it more like Vietnamese flavors, which is more the pungent um, fish sauce and a little bit more spicier. Mm. So I did not use any of the sugar. So, but mm. yeah, that's what happens when you cook by taste. But everyone liked it. Speaking of Vietnamese food, um, I'm also Vietnamese, so I feel like for me, that's kind of my comfort food because that's my mom cooks a lot. So throughout the pandemic, I've been able to just experience a lot more of my mom's cooking, especially coming home from college. So I really appreciated the Vietnamese twist on the deboki. <laughs> what have uh, what have been the foods that really kind of always bring you back of like these are these are like home foods for you? Um, there's something called bun sale, which is oh. like this Vietnamese uh, crepe, and I, it's oh, for me it's special. Food. Yeah, right. for me it's special because my my mom cooks it, but so does my like both sides of my grandmother, and they all make it a little bit differently. So it's kind of cool to just have a little taste of each side of the family. <laughs> uh, for those that are listening, uh, we're actually all in person recording this for the first time for the pod. So that's super exciting. I was going to say the bun sale. Um, when I was a kid, I used to dip my napkin into it because it has a highlighter color. The the dye mm -hmm. <laughs> looks mm -hmm. nice with a highlighter. Mm -hmm. So I used to always try to make highlighters with the um, bun sale. So good. <laughs> it's my favorite. 
Are there other foods kind of coming up for people that just not even to just, you know, a shot after after work or a snack at 2 p.m.? What are the foods that remind you of home? Have you ever had a Chinese donut or yeah, in, uh, like in Mandarin it's called Yotiao, which is translated to oil stick, but it's it's called Chinese donut. You can have it with like soy milk. Um, they have savory versions of that too. It's like this Taiwanese breakfast dish or food. Um, it's it's super delicious. I've had both. Oh yeah, yeah. Nice. It's the the one that's like covered in sugar, and then the one that's like yeah. They have a porridge. Yeah. So, <laughs> I've seen a carbon carbon that they put that in a um, hot dog bun. What? Yes. And so they put that donut in the hot dog bun and then they seal it. And so you can just. Like, wow. I got to try that. Carbs, yes. How do you seal it? It's in the? Genius. No, you sell it. Like oh, you a, just wrap it. You just wrap it. Yeah. They seal it and sell like for $2. Wow. We're going to have, we're going to have a list of uh, restaurants in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to be like a Yelp podcast yeah basically. right josh what's yours you know mine's when i think about i think there's two and i think one was just memories of i didn't like i didn't go to preschool and so i mostly was no wonder no, I'm just I, <laughs> <laughs> that explains a lot <laughs> the first the first couple years being raised by like my grandparents i think one ton was always mm-hmm. just such a mm-hmm. comfort food. And it was so simple of just like chicken broth and the one ton. And especially on like a cold rainy day or like when you're sick, mm. um, it just kind of goes down. And this, I think in a different way, it's not like an Asian food, but I remember being small and running into the kitchen on like a Saturday morning and smelling blueberry muffins mm-hmm. and like that sugary cinnamony sugar crumble topping mm. um i think when and even now when i smell something similar whether it's like at a at a bakery yeah um or what something's wafting it kind of brings wafting back those feelings yeah wafting one of those wontons sound perfect for the weather outside right now it's been so cold in sf where as the rest of California burning wildfires, fire. You mean the United States? The United States, right? I think it's crazy because, like, we're talking about a lot of different, like, cultural foods. And I mm-hmm. think um, it's crazy because for me and my family, we ate a lot of Vietnamese food at home. But when we went out, we went to eat Chinese food, yeah. which mm-hmm. only makes sense, like, living in San Francisco. So um, that was kind of actually, like, food was kind of how when I kind of realized. I'm not really in a city that's surrounded by my specific like culture, mm. even though we're all Asian, I was surrounded by Chinese American culture more than I was surrounded by Vietnamese culture. And I didn't really realize that until I went to college. Um, it made me look back and say, oh, it makes sense that through food, I realized mm. that. Yeah. My parents, I was born in Chicago. And when we came to Fresno, and settle because the weather was just better, you know, it's a terrible to drop off refugees from a, you know, tropical place into Chicago. <laughs> but one thing they kept chasing was Indian food. There was used to be this Indian restaurant they used to eat. And so I remember my parents drove so many Indian places trying to find the right place. That's where I was introduced to a lot of Indian food, a lot of curries and like the super spicy stuff. And mm-hmm. I think that's what trained my palate to drink whiskey. <laughs> Um, as we've been spending more time together 
well, not with each other in person, but there's been certain people we've maybe been stuck with over these past 17, what is it, 17 months? Time is a flat circle. 17 years feels um, like. Yeah. Whether it's our families, our roommates. And so for, for this group, I guess I'm just curious on how has, how has that been? How has to connect or maybe reconnect with the people in your, your living space, family, roommates, um, even maybe close friends that had been a little distant? I've been fortunate enough to live with people. I'm not living by myself, not with family, but throughout pandemic, I've always had housemates and it's been really nice to spend time with them after work, whether that's cooking a meal or watching a show or playing Switch. (laughs) Um, That's been keeping my mental health up um, because I know that you spend a lot of time on your own secluded from people like your mental health can drop real fast so that's been really good yeah nice to have that that support system um what has that time with family been like and do you feel like it's changed at all or been different since the pandemic started i mean family has always been a big kind of core pillar for me um and so my family's across the bay and I occasionally uh, head over there to visit them and hang out with my sister and my parents, um, even if it's just for a couple of days, the weekend. Um, well, one, I could do laundry, you know, but <laughs> I think it's always a reminder to me that like human beings are have a limited time on this earth, you know, and so every moment that we spend with other people is is valuable that's always that's been more apparent during pandemic for me yeah i guess long for you and hearing that i guess i'm just wondering how you've been thinking about the way that you spend time use time and with some of the people that you choose to spend it with how has that been to be honest the first couple months i spent with dustin oh wow (laughs) We we were calling each other no, I was calling him. <laughs> Let's <laughs> clarify that. <laughs> it was me contacting yeah. him mostly. And then like he would turn on the Zoom call. And then like, actually we were using Facebook anyways. And like he would just like introduce me to roommates. So I was actually hanging with him every like other night. But I live in this house. Um, we were recording in my, um, my friend's house right now. And at the time, because we didn't have the vaccine yet, like mm-hmm. I just try to keep my distance from him as much as he can. And so, I mean, he w- we would have dinner, but just like, um, and then my roommates move out. So, cause he was, it was a flat downstairs and we have four rooms upstairs and everyone moved out. So mm-hmm. I was spending a lot of time, um, going to Golden Gate Park every day and I was getting to nature and stuff like that too. So, um, yeah, I, ended up having the opposite where like everyone left now i had this big house to myself Mm. so there was a lot of introspection and last year i wrote an essay it's on the blog i wrote my feelings when chevick bozeman passed away Mm -hmm. and like i really thought about oakland a lot Mm. because oakland was like big in my um growing up here like spending my life in the bay as a post-adult and I don't want to dive too much into it if you want to read about it, but um, that made me miss Oakland a lot. Um, for me, well, okay, so this could get a little bit deep, but um, the the pandemic uh, 
before well, prior to the pandemic um so my father was diagnosed with with cancer um pretty like a couple couple years before the pandemic so i knew that things were weren't going to go so well within a few years but um prior to the pandemic i uh, got note that um my father was put on hospice so i decided to leave school about like a few weeks before the pandemic happened so i just dropped school and i was like i'll graduate later you know school can wait but i got to be there for my family um so when i did that um i felt like i paused my world but when the pandemic happened um it kind of felt like the world stopped with me so it was like a really weird like blessing in disguise because mm. um the pandemic actually allowed me this opportunity to be with my family um and have have don't like everybody was home from work so we didn't have to call off work um i didn't have to worry about school because the world was an excuse to just not go to school on top yeah. of this um so for me uh, i got a lot closer to my dad um and i got a lot closer to my family because of it um yeah and we can we can go into that more <laughs> you know when we talk about grieving and stuff because for me um I think it was a learning process and so when Josh hit me up uh, to, to be on this episode I think I was like this is perfect because I got a lot of time to process all of this and when I read um, some of the excerpts from the book I, I felt like I can relate to a lot of it. And you know as Selena shared um, both very personally and at the same time there's this everyone has their own experience of grieving there are these really personal stories um as selena was just sharing and then there's also the the whole way of everyone is trying to like work through these these big world events at the same time and it's all intention and we don't really know how to deal with it and sometimes at least for me like some days i do and some days i don't and um i guess i'm just wondering for everyone in this group what's maybe been something more difficult for you to digest um, about the world right now, something that, that you might be grieving yourself, something that you're still trying to, to work through. I would like to state, can you go first, Josh? Because you're pushing off to us first and you're not answering your own questions. Yeah, I, I think for me, um, what's been challenging I mean, I'll just share about recently. I think that when I thought about, visualize what 2021 could be, I, and you know, I, I think at the end of last year, we, we had the first talk of vaccines and we were thinking about what life after would be. And I guess I'm realizing now, um, at the time, at least we're recording this podcast, COVID cases are up again everywhere. and. Mm -hmm at least most of the counties here and all over the, the US and the world, and it's a lot. And I feel like, at least for me personally, I'm still in this weird middle space of not knowing um, how to be, what my interactions with friends can look like, um, even thinking towards my future goals or what I'm hoping to yeah. do or the change I want to see or make in the world. Like I, I can't even look out that far in the future because I, I don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. And I think that uncertainty is something I'm working through in a different way 
then, I think when the pandemic first started, and I assumed there would be a length of time versus this kind of async thing. Um, I just felt like it's hard because I feel like we're all pretty young still. So it feels like there's this loss of like losing some youth, like being in your 20s, you know, 30s. It's just like, it's kind of hard to to lose what feels like losing some years. A chunk of it. Yeah, a chunk of it. Yeah. I mean, it's been like, what, 17, 17 months? And we're still, I mean, things are opening up, but there's like beginning guidelines of things are closing down or people need to wear masks again indoors and stuff, even if you're vaccinated. And I feel like we've learned how to protect ourselves and like follow these guidelines to be safe and stuff. And as things are open up, we're like learning again how to or unlearning what we've habits that we've developed, you know, and then now we're going back into this thing. So it's really hard to say because there's been a lot of stuff that happened during pandemic, not even relating to the pandemic Yeah, with a attacks on Asian lives, um, the anniversary of uh, of Black lives being killed. And there's just so much. And to hold all that, I think as a society, we've, it's been hard, I don't know. Going to, um, going to Atlanta, uh, I remember I first heard about that, that shooting when I, I think Long uh, called me that night. I, I I'd read it about. I read the, the the article about five minutes before he called, and he was asking me what I felt. And I remember not really knowing what to say. We looked through um, this emotions wheel. Was trying to articulate it, and I guess I'm just curious for for you all um, as that night really kind of kicked off this new wave of. Asian activism and, and awareness. But I just want to think about that more just like on a personal level for all of you. Did you feel like you were, what, what first, what were you feeling? And did you feel like that was the right thing to feel? Because at least from my experience, sometimes I felt like I was supposed to feel more or I was supposed to say more. And I think instead my reaction was a lot of listening, but a lot of just personal time to to sit. Um, how was it for you? Long? Okay, I'll go with Atlanta. Yeah, um, I remember Josh. He, we had a really good meeting. Did we have it with Minji? Or we had? Yep, we had just a meeting with Minji. She took the screen to grab, and I saw Josh's post about the Atlanta shootings, and then. I just made sure that he was okay. I called. And um, for me, and I'm still grappling with it because, um, again, I wrote about this. I keep plugging my blogs. but mm -hmm. um, Go read it. Go read. Yeah, please. But, you know, for me, I, was, I have to go back to the gym and work. And so every violence thing that was happening, I was within an hour away from it or 30 minutes away from it. Um, so I, I, I was with Selena uh, one night and I told her, yep, I carry taser with me now. And I carry my mace. I carry like these things and stuff like that too. I'm kind of set to be ready. One of my friends said like, he does, he doesn't want to live in fear because 
all the parents were saying like stay home don't go out but he's like at least he said he wants to go out and like show more numbers out there because he would rather get attacked than someone young or someone old i met and there's some solidarity there and i think there's a lot of like feelings of vulnerability and i um shout outs to mary hk Choi because she was talking about how she's this writer that um she mixes with the music crowd because she's right for MTV and then she writes young adult and now she's in the literary world. So she has this like really cool factor. And I remember I used to be always intimidated by reading her, but I was just sunk in because she's part of the diaspora. But then she even said, you know, like after that shooting happened, was she separating herself from her Asianist became being too cool mm. to be, you know, she's not part of that. Right. And so she was working through those feelings. And I think a lot of people were working through like their Asianist, um, Asianist, quote unquote, and one of my friends, she's adopted and she grew up in Colorado and she's Korean. And then now seeing being Asian as like, as a disadvantage, she was trying to like mm. figure out those feelings mm. too. Um, but yeah, for me, um, being Vietnamese, like we're, we were, we're, still close to our trauma of the war and stuff like too and i'm i have my mental disabilities of being hyper vigilant and you know it's been really tough for me to write because to write you have to be open-minded and look at things with you know vulnerability rather than seeing if something can attack you mm -hmm. so that's where i'm at right now I would say I felt the same thing that you were feeling Josh where I just didn't know if I was feeling enough or doing enough and I think part of it is just being on social media and seeing, seeing this influx of um, the sharing of information and just not knowing how to feel, you know? And um, I think it's it gets confusing because you see a lot of people share, but you don't know how they feel when they share that information, you know? So I felt like I wasn't doing enough too. The thing is, I saw people, you know, reacting or having or sharing or speaking up about it from people that I haven't heard from in like ages. I'm like, you, I didn't know you cared about this stuff. And so actually with that current event that happened, the shooting that happened, um, I was noticing more actually other people's reaction more so than what was going on for, for myself, partly because, you know, I'm here in California and in Atlanta, you know, proximity wise is pretty far removed. So I didn't, feel as um it didn't hit me as hard um and so i was noticing more of what other people were were sharing um and it made me kind of question like i guess it, i was at first i was frustrated i was like dang like i've never heard these people from these people before like why why now like but then i developed and like like okay well at least this kick-started their kind of ethnic identity journey their engagement in this topic of of their own culture um so at least there's that and so yeah i think that was something i was kind of picking up on too i saw friends that i i didn't really know mm -hmm. engaged or thought about like what it meant to be asian and then having these conversations with people that you know i'd never really yeah. had before and you know i just thinking with um the other groups of color, specifically with, with the black community, um, mm. you know, there's definitely been this history and having this, this shared experience of this collective 
trauma of being enslaved and then even after being free dealing with new new forms of segregation incarceration all of these just you know, it's new forms um right that keeps um appropriating itself and we are not the black community mm-hmm. and yet there's these these instances that we've seen throughout history if it's um if it's vincent chin mm-hmm. uh now 40 years ago and then thinking about the atlanta shooting as we're thinking about this idea of what it means to be asian and to grieve together i guess i'm just curious on first what other what you all have been seeing from other people and what the term collective grief would mean to you i think it's collective because all of our liberations and freedoms are intertwined um like we we you can't have one group of people succeed and say oh okay now their people are free but ignore everyone else who's being oppressed or uh being overlooked you know and so to me that's what i think of when it's collective you're thinking more outside of yourself yeah because i know for me speaking from just experience and people that i know like some people even you know three five years ago wouldn't define themselves as as asian yeah true they would see themselves as korean indian mm-hmm. viet and do you feel like anything changed or moved the needle at all with this you know there's specifically a lot of korean american women who were who were murdered and the way that i've seen people respond is i don't know something i haven't seen before what, what have you all seen i think part of it too is just this increasing like exposure to information online too so uh, we're getting a lot more information mm-hmm. than we ever really have and we're all getting information from each other and getting a lot more feedback than we ever had so i think for our generation specifically growing up in this digital age um that plays a huge role in 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 gaining an identity for ourselves but it can also play a part in like confusing your identity even more you know it makes you question yourself a little bit more so i think that plays a big role in that we're always used to western um storytelling of like the wild cowboy the hero's journey and stuff but there's a lot of other types of storytelling one i've been thinking about is about african storytelling where they actually perform and have the audience interact and so every time you're performing something the feedback from the audience is getting there and makes me think about like how because i've been watching a lot of who hasn't been on the internet for more than what they should but i was watching um bill maher like someone said the word chink this comedian sarah silverman and like there's a japanese guy trying to or he was a representative guy aoki yeah and he was trying to explain but people were just shutting down like who are you hanging with like no one says that but shutting him down right and back then, like the internet didn't give the voice to a lot of people to speak up and respond. And so as much as we keep talking about like cancel culture, but like there has never been the power to give unheard voices a talk. And so now when people are saying about two PC, it's like, well, now we have technology to talk, right? And I think a lot of this grief is like a fireplace. We're sitting around 
and talking about our stories, just filling in the gaps when, you know, we're sharing something and then someone can pop in just like this podcast, you know, someone can pop in a different perspective and stuff too. And we can like fill in these like holes that we thought we knew, but someone else can fill. And so I think that's the grief is going around like a lot of this violence. I mean, I had to sit down with a few of the collab members that were like just graduating and they're scared. I'm just like, you know, this has kind of been happening. I don't want to dismiss your feelings, but let's just talk through. So get a different perspective. I got to be less jaded about these things. And I feel like talking people way younger than me have this naiveness that like, I, that challenges me to not be jaded. I think that's, that's always the challenge to not give in to cynicism or that feeling when it seems like all of these things keep happening in the world. I guess I'm curious. And I know we all have our different experiences with grieving, um, but what have those experiences taught you when seeing other people struggle or other people grieve, um, especially as we've seen a lot of that over the past year? I think because the Asian community has been affected by the shooting as a whole, it kind of forced everyone to build a sense of empathy to try to feel what the people who are hurting, what they're feeling. I think I learned that grieving comes in so many different ways. Like it doesn't come, for me, for the longest time, I always thought that grieving was just sadness. Mm -hmm. And I really realized this year that not only in my personal life with my father, but also like just looking at everything going on in the world is that grief comes in anger. Grief comes in, in so many different ways. It comes in attacks on different communities. It comes in comedy it comes it's like a roller coaster and it, it happens at different times and people are grieving um at a different pace and so when you see interactions between different communities or different people often it's a result of where they are in their grieving process and i think i saw that most prominently like on twitter or online and just seeing the result of things happening is is it's just a clash of people being at different points in their grieving process that's tricky with the online stuff. The online uh, stuff. Because people are at different stages and you can't really tell where a person is and you're coming in with your own perspective. Um, mm -hmm. But I think the bright side of that is that at least with social media and the internet, there's, and, and like your friends and your community, there's a little sense of accountability of checking in and like wanting to hear how each person is doing in your circles. Speaking of circles. <laughs> when Josh mentioned the um, feelings wheel. The reason why I brought that up to him because I'm gonna bring back around to the book, Crying H Mart, because when I was trying to do this profile on this woman, EJ Co. she did this book called Magical Language of Others. And I was in deep research about the word Han. Is It's a word that does not directly translate in English. There are certain words that do not exist in the American language. like. Japanese actually have more forms of love. We only have one form of love. So the word Han is like this grief that was brought in through the Japanese when they colonized them and they brought it in through the war and pushed it on them. And so there's always this collective grief, but then it's this knowing that like everyone shares this grief and it's like builds connection to them. But yet it means deeper than that because there's just no translations to that. Bringing it around to the book, you know, like um, there's a Han in all of us. And the best way to kind of explain it in like an African-American culture is that um, the term I, like, all right, where Kendrick Lamar was just like, made a song called All Right. Uh, Hanif, 
he's a great poet. He talks about like how black people, whenever they see each other, you just dap their hands, say, we all right. Because, you know, there's just this understanding grief that like things, you know, are always hard, but you just kind of like acknowledge that, right? Um, and you got to link up with the ones that are of your own people, like yeah. your same communities, even though you don't know each other or not related by blood. Yeah. You still have that sense of like, oh, we, we're the same people. We've gone through the same struggles. Yeah. So Han is like that word that is big in the Korean um, community that like expresses this kind of collective grief. With collective grief, I feel like I believe that with every negative force or negative energy comes positive energy too i think that when you you know push something something bounces back and um with collective grief there's been a lot of collective effort to mm-hmm. to to mobilize um i think something that i notice is a huge mental health effort to make that more of a real thing you know putting that out there mental health awareness has become a really big topic uh, i think in this pandemic and i think that's especially important in the asian american community because I think mental health has not always been legitimized in the American or even talked about. Yeah, it's not talked about. Exactly. So um, I think that's one of the the positive things to come out of all of this, especially in the past year and a half. I've noticed um, a big uptick on very concise vocabulary being used. Like, for example, I've heard people say, I hear you. I see you. There's like stuff like that. And that's like one of the one thing out of it's good about Instagram. Like some of these things go viral. FYI, I just don't like Instagram, but just got to state that. But one of the few things is that a lot of these info pics is like really good to teach people learn vocabulary, learning to be more inclusive when we talk. And it's a tool that to be more mindful and just more aware and listening. Yeah. And I think with listening, I think part of that is we're having these conversations as we're listening more, especially for maybe people in our community that have been traditionally more marginalized or overlooked. Um, I think it's also important to keep in mind what, what Selena was just mentioning of, you know, taking in the negative energy, the, the grief, the sadness, the anger, and also, you know, kind of melding it with the positive, with joy, finding those things that are bringing us comfort. And so need some yin to that yang. You know, what is what is bringing um, everyone joy from the from your family, from your community right now? Is that a question? That is that is a question. Um, I heard this great quote last year was um, grief is when you have all this love to give and that source that we used to put into is gone. So usually that goes to like someone leaving the earth. And so that love you have for that person is gone and you can't go anywhere right well what's great about death is that is that their physical existence is gone now they translate it into a memory and so Mm -hmm. like they still live in other people's memory and so that's why it's really important to have awakenings and you talk about the person you give different perspectives and stuff and in this grief for me i talk about this stuff too much on the blog (laughs) (laughs) um you know it's 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 always revitalizing why you're the way you are you know again i'll mention last year really reminded me like how much my identity was through oakland through ryan coogler through you know when i first moved here um oscar grant got shot and like as much as that i was afraid of that i like continued to my roots there and stuff and that kind of helped me grieve and stuff and 
I can't wait to go back to Oakland at First Fridays and drink yeah, at the First Fridays. So I'm not a H Mart fan because what's the what's the KP Coriana? Is that it's a, it says KP, but it's a Coriana. Oh, in Oakland. Yeah, KP. So like you go there, get your two dollars soju, and you just drink in the parking lot, and just people get all like hyphy and stuff like that's what i miss you know that was like people get hyphy <laughs> yeah we were just like that was so much fun that's what i can't wait to get back to um what was the question <laughs> what's making you happy <laughs> no i just yeah. i feel like that's an that's an answer right there yeah, yeah. speaking of hyphy yeah. <laughs> i feel like that's been making me happy uh the last time i lived in the bay area was when i was 17 before I, like legitimately lived in the bay area was when i was 17 before i went to college so for me, coming back was through the pandemic, but I also like got a chance to re-experience a lot of the culture here as, as an adult. Um, so I feel like, speaking of hyphy, <laughs> um, that movement and that cultural movement and specifically that hip hop movement has re like given me a, a lot of energy through this time. Okay, I feel like this makes me seem very Gen Z, but TikTok, hmm. I will say, I feel like it's actually brought me a good amount of joy. It's the only social media app that I actually like go back to the home screen and feel like, oh, that was actually not a terrible waste of time. <laughs> I, I think just seeing people like be joyful there and be goofy. And, and I think the fact that I was, obviously I don't know any of those people personally, but to see them expressing themselves um, so fearlessly and in like a fun, sometimes stupid, sometimes informational way. Um, and then also to see so many like APITA folks like using that to um, like spread important information. And at the same time also do like, you know, TikTok dances or whatever. Um, I just think it's a way that I've seen more of like the breadth of what we have to offer and to have other people see that TikTok's that uh collect collective uh community that we were talking about earlier learning sharing secret secret tips for <laughs> life that's definitely TikTok right there what brings me joy uh right now has definitely just been uh seeing friends face to face i think i mean this might be short-lived but um yeah seeing people's faces in person um i think human beings are made to be social and to live in community and to be with each other live with each other and so i've been trying to see friends when i can of course like you know with all the safety procedures and all that stuff um but even right now as we're, we're talking and chatting it's been a great time yeah this is what I do. I throw people under fire because my inclusiveness is very vigilante-like. It's just like forcing people to be like in inclusive spaces. So I'm going to give her a, a chance to. Yeah. What do you have? What have you enjoyed? I guess for me throughout the pandemic, something that I've been enjoying was also just kind of reconnecting with a lot of friends that I didn't really have a lot of time to do so while I was um, very busy in person um, at school as well as just working. But I feel like there's so much that you can gain just meeting someone in person instead of just like behind a screen. There's just this personal connection you can really just kind of make through like emotions as well as just kind of like even your body language. 
And I feel like that's a small thing that could really just um, connect everyone more together. So that's something that I've been enjoying, just really being able to see everyone again after being so far away from them. What, what y'all don't know on the pod right now is we've been working together for how many months? Like six, seven? More than that. More than that. And I, I haven't seen or met Sophia or Selena in person yeah. ever. We've, we've only seen each other through the screen, through a little box. Yeah. I mean, even with collab events and, you know, seeing people yeah. come out, like singing with people. You don't really realize how good something is until like things go sour. Things don't go the way that you want it to. I think that's been a theme. I mean, our streams and stuff has been good, but, you know, we, we still want to do those community events. Yeah. It's not the same as, you know, sharing nachos with Dustin as right. someone's <laughs> up on stage. Yeah. DNC, yeah. So I'm excited to hopefully do more stuff with y'all, continue to work through this as a community. But thanks for coming on to our first convo. I guess it's back to the cold dumplings in the bokeh. Thanks for listening, everyone. You can send questions, comments, and episode ideas our way to goldengrey at collaboration.org. Collaboration is spelled with a K. Send this episode to a friend who might get something out of it. And don't forget to leave us a review on any podcast platform to help folks find the show. You can check out some of Long's articles on our blog at collabsf.org forward slash collab blog. This episode was mixed and edited by Selene Wing and Sophia Yu. Our interview producer is Adrian Chen. Our supervising producer is Longbow, and our executive producer is Josh Ko. Our beautiful theme song was composed by Robert Guh, and you can listen to more of his work at bobbygemusic.com. I'm Sophia. And I'm Long, and we'll see you soon with more stories from Golden Grape. Thanks for listening. <laughs>